Let us pray. Oh Lord, would you break open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, after that reading from Matthew's Gospel, with that whole string of parables, there really is only uh, one poem to read, isn't there? R.S. Thomas's The Bright Field. I have seen the sun break through to illuminate a small field for a while and gone my way and forgotten it. But that was the pearl of great price, the one field that had the treasure in it. I realize now I must give all that I have to possess it. Life is not hurrying on to a receding future, nor hankering after an imagined past. It is the turning aside, like Moses, to the miracle of the lit bush, to a brightness that seemed as transitory as your youth once, but is the eternity that awaits you. What do you imagine God is like? What is your picture of this God we come to worship Sunday by Sunday? Everybody has some kind of idea of what God is like. What's yours, I wonder? For some folk, God is like a clockmaker, someone who made the world and all its intricacies, set it going, and then left it to run its course. There, in the background, as the one who made everything, but then leaves it hands off. Perhaps you're not at all sure that there even is a God. I remember visiting one lady who came to church faithfully, Sunday by Sunday, for years and years and years. I went to visit her one day, and at the end of the visit, as I always do, I asked, would you mind if I read a psalm and said a prayer? And she, to my great surprise, said, oh no, I'm not religious at all. I only came to church on Sundays because it was a community. I don't believe there is a God. Or perhaps your impression of God is that he's some kind of wrathful being, angry. Earlier this week, I was in a service in one of our churches in the deanery where we sang this hymn. It's called, In Christ Alone My Hope Is Found. And in it, we sing these words, or at least most other people did. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Is that your impression of God? This God of anger who needs to be satisfied with the blood of Jesus on the cross. What is your impression of God.
Paul, in his letter to the Romans, is like a pearl diver. The letter starts off with Paul diving in from the surface, takes a deep breath, and down he goes. Down through chapter 1, deeper into chapter 2, deeper still into chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, until he reaches the deepest darkness of all, chapter 7. And there in chapter 7, in the depth of utter darkness, he searches in the bed of the sea for the pole. And then, feeling around in the darkness, he finds this pearl in chapter 8 and then swims back to the surface, holding this pearl of great price. That darkness is a place of utter despair. Many of you here, I know, know that darkness. Some of you will have loved ones who are really struggling with ill health, uncertain of what the future holds for them and for you. Others of you have known places without any hope. You wonder, is there any way out? That's where Paul was. Paul faced this life. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was arrested by the authorities. But in the middle of that darkness that he faced day by day, he found something. What was it that Paul found? What was this pearl of great price? In the midst of that darkness, when everything seems utterly hopeless, he found this. What then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. Who? will separate us from the love of Christ. Brothers and sisters, that is the pearl that Paul found. God's own Son on the cross for love. 
not for the wrath of God to be satisfied, not because God is distant as a clockmaker that leaves things to tick away. No. In the midst of the darkness, God himself is there, taking that darkness, absorbing it, dying in it, and then rising to new life. I am convinced that in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In the middle of that darkest of places, God's love is there. You may not see it. That's the point of all Jesus' parables. What's a mustard seed? Tiniest of grains. Drop it, you'll never find it again. But down it goes into the soil. And there it does its work in the darkness. It starts growing. It germinates. It puts forth a radical and becomes a plant. What is the kingdom of God? It's like a treasure, what? Hidden in a field. Not for everyone to see. You have to dig for it. You have to seek it. Then you'll find it. What is the kingdom of God? It's like a pearl. You have to dive down deep for into the darkness to find. It's like a bit of yeast lost in three measures of flour. And yet it grows slowly but surely and changes and transforms everything around it so that the flour becomes what? Leavened bread to feed the world, to feed you. The kingdom of God grows in the darkest, deepest places of our pain and our despair. We make plans for the future, don't we? We make appointments, we plan meetings, and all the rest of it. But we only live in this moment. And this is the moment where God's spirit is in you that cries in your heart, in the darkness, Abba, Father, Daddy, my God. That is how close he is to you in the pain and the suffering and in the bright field too that shaft of light that breaks through the cloud. And in a moment you turn and you see it. God is always with you, just a breath away.
Amen.